You're listening to Recovery Nuggets Podcast, where we give you recovery nuggets to chew on and think about on your journey in recovery and on the path, featuring your host, David Clemen. Nuggets out there. This week's episode features Billy Rame. He is a local comedian in uh, the area that I live in. We met at stand-up comedy open mics, and um, you know, I met him before he got sober, and then noticed when he started talking about it on stage when he got sober, and uh, been kind of fo- kind of following him from afar, and uh, he's got some really funny bits about that in his comedy, and he also is a um, you know, he used to tour in bands and he's, you know, quite the creative person. He's now a dad and, uh, you know, he talks about all that stuff in this episode. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed having Billy on the program. And uh, if you want to follow him, he's on Twitch, he's on Twitter and Instagram, all at Billy Rame. And that's R A I M. And um, enjoy the episode. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of Recovery Nuggets. I'm your host, David Clemen. I'm here with local comedian, Billy Rame. How you doing, Billy? Good, man. Good. Thank you for having me. This is really neat. Nice Friday afternoon activity is what yes, this sir. is. Yes, sir. Good, clean fun, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's not where you and I came from, I don't believe. So, mm-hmm. no. Uh, but yeah, man, I wanted to have you on because I, I've kind of followed your your journey from afar, and um, I noticed the other day that you are celebrating a um, an anniversary of being sober. So uh, I wanted to hear your story okay. and just have a chit chat and see how you how your life is now and and how you got here. So cool, welcome, man. No, thank you again. It, uh, yeah, it was five years on Monday. It's crazy. Uh, I got to be completely honest. Like I I had no idea. My five year was coming up. I didn't know my four year happened until a week after. Um, <laughs> and it, it is not because like I don't care about it or I don't pay attention. I absolutely know who I am and I know the disease I have in me and I'm aware of it all the time. Uh, just life, you know, like uh, I don't know if it's February or March or April at the time. I just go from day to day, one day at a time, as they say. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of hit me. Um you know, I, I usually be honest, I kind of stick to where I'm at now uh, sure. compared to like my past story, because it's it's pretty similar. I mean, we all have our stories. We all have our past. We were all really messed up. We did horrible stuff to ourselves, to our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that part of the journey for me, like during meetings and stuff, when I'd hear speakers, that was always the part I'd zone out on. Mm-hmm. You know, the backstory, what is your story? How did, you know, and then I always started to pay attention or really start to uh, identify with some things somebody was saying about what made them finally get out of their own way Mm. to get sober. And and mine's no different. Um, I had a good parents. My parents are still together. So I'm actually in a minority of, Mm -hmm. you know, having a parents that are together, uh, um, I'm very lucky for that. They've always been very uh, supportive of anything I wanted to do, except for comedy. Um, <laughs> they hate okay. it. They've never <laughs> seen me live. And I've been doing comedy like 10 and a half years. Like yeah. they've never come to a show. They've watched them online. Mm-hmm. And then they'll kind of hint around that, you know, hey, I saw this bit. Were you talking about me always commenting on your Instagram? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> do you like it? And they're like, 
Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little too close to the uh, the sun there, huh? <laughs> oh, they hate it. They my my parents are the sweetest human beings in the world. Um, they really are. They're very very Christian. Uh, my grandfather was a Methodist preacher. Uh, he was never admittedly an alcoholic, but when he died, he was still drinking, you know, handles of vodka out of his trunk during the summer, you know, mm. with hot cans of Mountain Dew because he knew he couldn't bring it in the house when he was visiting. Um, alcoholism and drug addiction is very heavy in my family. I've uh, like cousins, aunts, um, you know, it's very deep. Yeah. You know, some have passed away from it. Uh, some have passed away from even after they got clean, the effects that it had with them. Uh, my deal was more of it was a lifestyle for me. Like I worked in the entertainment industry. I toured with bands, artists, off-Broadway shows, doing lighting design and stuff. So, I mean, booze and drugs were everywhere. Like it's just what you did, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I wouldn't say peer pressure. No one ever said, here, Billy, drink this, you know, case of beer by yourself drink this scotch by yourself it was just more of this what you did at the end of the night you sat up front in the bus you drank some drinks you went to bed uh nights off you went to bars you partied like it's just what it was so it was normal to me um my ex-wife uh drank a lot and i drank with her you know it wasn't enabling it wasn't like a pressure thing that's just what we did we kind of masked the fact that we weren't a very good, great friends, horrible married couple. Mm. And we just masked that through booze every single day. Um, yeah. But when I, I moved back down, a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, nobody <clears throat> wants to get married and then admit pretty immediately that it was a mistake. You know, nobody yeah. wants to do that. Everybody wants to give it to try. And I'm old school. I, you know, I want to divorce was not in the cards for me. It wasn't a thing I wanted to do. Um, but it has to happen sometimes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, let me know if my mic cuts out too. I have a new uh, voiceover filter on it, and it's cutting out in my head a little bit. Okay. No, I, the audio is good. There, I can see a delay from the audio to the video, but I, mine's just the audio podcast, so we're good. Okay. Cool. And um, yeah. So I mean, uh, back to the music. Were you always? Uh, you used to be in bands as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was a phenomenal bass player. Oh, my God. That was amazing. I couldn't do it now. Not even a quarter of it um, because my hands are all old and Mm -hmm. (laughs) old and abused. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I loved it, man. I played in a bunch of bands. We never like got like huge cross the country tours or anything like that. But we did great regionally. Uh, Definitely boosted um, I love for production and behind the stage work. So that's kind of where I went into it. And even then too, like it was a, it was kind of like a wannabe rock star lifestyle. Yeah. You know, on and off the stage. It was pretty stupid. I was pretty, I was pretty worthless except for when it came to playing music. I was, I was always late for work because I was always hungover. I was always at a bar. I was always playing shows if I wasn't at band practice or work. Um, and then if I wasn't there, I was at a bar. Like I didn't really ever hang home. In fact, excuse me. In fact, I had an apartment in Hampstead at that time that I lived in for a year and a half, and I probably spent two nights in it and never unpacked my stuff. Wow. So, like, it's just the lifestyle it was. Uh, but I moved back to Wilmington in 2000, July 14th of 2014. 
uh, after my divorce. And it was mainly because of Dead Crow opening up, you yeah. know, the Nut Street crew uh, bringing uh, comedy back over to a new room. I love the scene here. My best friends in the world live here. I lived here way back in the day and then moved away to Myrtle Beach mm-hmm. and then to Norfolk. And then I moved back here from Norfolk, Virginia. Um, and it was it was more the same thing. I uh, just did comedy, drank like a fish, had a job land in my lap in the tech world so I could work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just it got, just kind of got to the point where I was starting to burn a bunch of bridges, uh, had bookers I was talking to, agents I was talking to for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could never follow through with it because I was hammered all of the time. Um, so I wasn't trusted, which I can guarantee, you know, I completely understand that. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, long story short, it just kind of came to the point where I was driving blackout drunk every night, wrecked my car a few times, uh, got away with it. And then one morning woke up in my backyard with an almost totaled car in my front yard. Um, and that's kind of, I realized that I had enough, you know? Yeah. Like I, I realized I had enough and my two best friends in town, I called them that morning and they're like, dude, you got to do something like we're not, you're dying. You're going to die soon. Like you're an idiot. Uh, so that day I called my family who had no idea of my usage. Right. Um, let them know that I need to go to rehab because of, uh, drugs and alcohol, mainly alcohol. Uh, Mm -hmm. the drugs I were on were mainly like, I never got in a Coke, never got in a crack, never Mm -hmm. really did any hardcore drugs. I mean, I did some, you know, like you were a dabbler. I was a dabbler. Like if it was, I would never go out and buy it. But like, I got you. Somebody had it and went like, "Hey, here you go." I'd be like, "Cool, let's drink more." Like that kind of (laughs) right. But the prescription drugs were like that. It was like Adderall type stuff that would just empower me and empower my mind to drink ten times more, and Mm. then that would be like a few days of a bender. Wow. Um, So I called my parents that morning and I said, hey, this is uh, what I got to do. And they said, cool, we'll be there soon. So they drove the two and a half, three hours down to Wilmington. I went into Wilmington Treatment Center that afternoon. Um, And yeah, luckily, you know, by. I I honestly don't know how I've made it this long sober Mm -hmm. because I'm not good with the programs. Right. Uh, I had a sponsor in NA when I first got started. Um, and then I couldn't get out of my own way thinking that, uh, like, it's kind of contradicting. I knew I could do it myself mm-hmm. because I knew I was done. Right. But then there's this a social aspect of it. Once you're in a program and in a fellowship uh, and have sponsors and brothers and sisters that are in the program, too, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a slap in the face. I feel personally is kind of a slap in the face to all of them because everybody's different. Yeah. Some people need that structure or need somebody to put that structure together for them or show them how to do it. I'm, I didn't need that. Like I knew that I just couldn't drink or I wouldn't live, you know? And I always wondered from a, 2000, what was it? 17. I got to count on my fingers because I'm stupid. 18, 19, 20, 21. <laughs> yeah. So 17 of March 4th, 2017 is when I went in. I listened. I didn't get into the drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made people laugh a lot, which made me happy about being there. Um, 
they kind of put me in a position to talk to a few people that were there to that wanted to leave detox. And I kind of talked to them and they would stay uh, some of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of put myself there, but I I just paid attention. I soaked everything in. Uh, If, if I was going to pay all this money for rehab, yeah, I was going to make sure it was going to work, you know? Um, But then after that, I went for the 90 for 90, uh, 90 days, 90 meetings. Yeah. I still went uh, three times a week after that for the first year. Um, and, and, and it was good. I'm glad I went to all those meetings. Like I'm not, the, the, the programs are amazing. Uh, they help so many people. For I'm, sure. yeah. I'm an arrogant and I know this about myself. I'm arrogant. I'm cocky, but I also understand what uh, my flaws and I can humbly admit my flaws. Like I'm, I'm kind of a cocky performer. Uh, but then again, I do understand empathy and caring and recognizing that it's not like that for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the meetings for me were great. And I still went, I went to one this past Monday to pick up my five-year chip. I actually went to two on Monday. Yeah, I went to a noon meeting and a, my old home group at uh, 7 PM here in Castle Hain. Um so I went and picked up two chips. Uh, I don't keep my chips. I actually give them to um, my girlfriend, soon to be fiance, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, I give them to her. It's kind of like a promise, like, hey. And, and the cool thing is about that, and I'll totally make sense of all this. I know I'm kind of going jumping around. No, you're good, man. I guess. Is, is what was really cool about this year is, so let me back up. When I got out of rehab, the first thing I did, and this is kind of goes for uh, sobriety nuggets. Um, you know, the main reasons I got sober is because I didn't want to die, mainly. Um, and secondly, I knew that I'd worked way too hard on stand-up comedy to let boozing ruin it, mm-hmm. which it was. Um, and, and it worked. Like, I was on fire. Like, as soon as I came out of rehab, I wrote, like, 30 minutes in rehab and i still tell majority of those jokes today yeah um but the first thing i did uh was i got rid of anybody whatsoever that could cause any toxicity in my life or Mm. enable me i didn't care like i've never been one to uh like i'm loyal to the ones i care about but i also understand who's a positive person in my life and who's a negative or toxic or an enabling person or just mooching. I have no problem in writing people off. I can, I can do it like that. I don't care. Uh, so it wasn't hard for me to like cut ties with people. It made some people mad, but uh, the ones that really kept coming back and being like, Hey, look, I understand what you're doing, uh, but I really do love you. Like I want to be yeah. here for you. And I would give them another chance. Some of them are still around. A lot of them aren't. Um, but that was the main, I think that was the biggest thing that ever helped me was getting rid of all those people and completely changing my life. Uh, it's kind of like going on a diet. You have to completely change everything, like yeah. thought process, mm-hmm. um, how you analyze situations. Like, don't mm-hmm. run in head first to something, think about it, and then go in. Like, take your time. It's not a race. 
Like the way I looked at it, I was granted this second opportunity for life. I can slow down and enjoy it now, you know, because yeah. the things I was worried about that were so important. I love stand-up comedy. It's a passion for mine. It's an art form. I take it very seriously. But if it goes away today, I don't give a shit. You know, like I don't, it's fine. I mean, technically it's kind of already gotten away. I I'm doing a few corporate stuff, like clean corporate gigs for money, but I don't go to open mics uh just because just the nights that they have it i'm either it's my job my night for the kids or yeah. uh thursday nights are my night to sit in this office and zone out with no interruptions mm -hmm. um so it's like you know and other than that i just don't get booked really to be honest with you <laughs> like it's not a choice like trust me if they call the day like hey you want to do this weekend i'd be like yeah let's go yeah let's, let's go, go. <laughs> but um what i really realized this past Monday and Monday night. And I said this at that meeting when I picked up my chip, you know, when you pick up a year, they're like, Hey, tell us how you did it. Um, what was really nice about it is until that meeting, not one person besides social media said, Hey, Billy, congrats, congrats on the five years. And at first I was kind of hurt about that, but then I had to think about it. And I was like, you know what? That's awesome. That means that the people that I have in my life right now mm -hmm. don't know that side of me and haven't thought about it because I'm just Billy to them. Right. So all the work I put into getting rid of the toxic people, forming new, amazing relationships with all these other people completely worked. Like it was a success. Mission accomplished. That's great. And uh, I think that was the biggest pat on the back that I got from the five years sobriety is that nobody made a big deal about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, people will say to me, like, I can't imagine you like what you share in your story because they just don't know me like that. You know? I mean, they just know you as, like you said, how you are today. I yeah. mean, you've had some big milestones come up in those. I mean, you're a father now and Woo. you know, how's that going? You know, man, it is the, the best and worst thing in my life. Like <laughs> okay. it really is. No, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I, I, I think, I think that I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. Uh, but I sincerely think that some sort of energy or higher power gave me the strength to get sober and stay that way to become a father. Mm. That's what I think. I believe it. Because it's it's so, you know, and I have to give a lot of credit to them on my successes of stuff because they're my inspiration. Like, I've I've never loved anything or anybody so much as I love every single member of my family right mm. now, you yeah. know, and that's my daughter, uh, my girlfriend, uh, my two stepsons and me and their mom aren't mm -hmm. married yet, but they call me their stepdad. They call me dad ish. So I'm their dad ish. I like that. You know, I like it too. It's pretty cool. Um, it's very right along. now, you know, that, it's mm -hmm. cool. I like that. People do different things. The thing with me is, man, I don't, I'm not going to judge anybody. I have friends that were, you know, recovering heroin addicts that still drink, mm. you know, they still smoke weed. They still drink. They haven't touched heroin in years. Is it a substitute? I mean, by definition, yes, mm -hmm. but they're not 
going out driving drunk. They're drinking a couple beers at home or they're smoking weed at home. Uh, and the most important thing, they're not out there robbing, lying and stealing and mm-hmm. dying in an alley with heroin. Yeah. So it's like everybody's different. Like me, that's not the path I want to take. Like I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to judge anybody, but I like not having things in my system. Yeah. Yeah. Once I guess for me, once I was able to let go of all of it, I don't want to, I don't want to fool with any of it. Yeah. It's just too, it's too much better on this side for me. I don't want to dilly dally and dabble here. And maybe I just couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. I, I got it out of my system. And uh, the things that have happened since I made that decision, my life's way better. It's just, yeah. it's just way better. So what is your, um, you know, what do you do for your recovery these days? I mean, do you have certain things that you, certain routines or conversations or, you know, I know you're a, lo- a comedian here in town. And um, even though you may not have the community of the groups as much anymore, you, you do have some camaraderie with the other comedians too. Right. I mean, that's, that's part yeah. of the. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and the ones that, that I still keep around that are good friends. Uh, and there weren't many people from the comedy community that were toxic to me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like I never really got too close to be like best friends hanging out every single night with the comics. Cause to me, comedy has always been about me developing my craft and yeah. being the best I can with the stage time that I'm given instead of who can be the coolest kid in a scene. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I've never really cared about comedy scenes really that yeah. much. I mean, it's good. We've got a great one here in town. It's, it's nice, yeah. but I'm, you know, uh, you know, I don't know how to say that without sounding like a dickhead. It, it's just comedy for me is an art form that I take seriously. And yeah. the only time that I care about what people think is that time on stage and the yeah. people that paid to come see the show or are there to see a comedy show. Like what other comics think? I don't care. Cause there's always going to be talk. There's always going to be chatter. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ones that were around when I drank and I still talk to, uh, they're still good friends. They understand that about me. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, our local comedy club here in town, even if I did decide to fall off the wagon or I had or if something happened, God forbid, and I did, they wouldn't serve me. In fact, they would probably kick the shit out of me. Like, mm, it, yeah, <laughs> they're just, they're very supportive yeah. in that. And that's how yeah. normal people are really. Yeah. No doubt. It's pretty Can wild. I, this, 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 uh, <clears throat> that, you know, I I've just seen your story from afar and I love hearing other people's story and how they got there, what they're doing, because I've always kind of seen you as this creative dynamo in a lot of different areas. But you also, I like that you, you'll post on social media, hey, have a good day. If someone's not giving you, you know, it's always a positive (laughs) message. And you'll be like, I work in customer service. It might be a shitty day, but I could still be a good person in spite of that. And it's hard. Those are more for me than anybody else, David. Hey, they really that, are. Sometimes they make me smile. So I fucking hate. Like I, I, I love the company I work for, I, and I don't want to say who that is, but that's fine. I love the company I work for, but I, I'll swear to Christ on a cracker, I fucking hate their device users. Mm. Um, it's just, I mean, I get it. Like, if you spend a lot of money on something, 
you're going to be irritated if it's broken. You're going to be irritated mm-hmm. if it's messed up or if you don't understand something. Those are the people I really like helping, but it's just the ones that are mad because they drop their phone in a toilet <laughs> and they won't give you a free one. Like <laughs> stuff like that. Like that's yeah. just, that's where it gets me mad. But I yeah. just like to be positive you know the main things i do right now is my morning routine is actually i write out a gratitude list every day five things Mm -hmm. it can never repeat in the same week um it has to be five things i'm grateful for Mm -hmm. about being alive right now uh one of those things has to be something that i'm glad is not around anymore Mm. or i'm glad of how i've changed but everything else i mean and it's hard to do because the I'm I'm happy about so much, you know. Um, my family's so supportive, and I, I am I am in love with a woman that if she would have met me five years ago, I wouldn't have gotten the time of day. Mm. You know, she's classy, she's uh, very reserved, mm-hmm. great sense of humor, very kind. I mean, she teaches little kids in like a Montessori type atmosphere. So she's all about brain development and healthy, healthy learning, uh, motor skills, being kind, loving and caring. Uh, That's her in a nutshell. Like I've never heard her say anything negative about anybody. Um, So honestly, I, I think, I don't think I would be in such good of a place as I am right now. If I hadn't had that kind of person supporting because she's aware of addiction i mean she had family members mm-hmm. you know that she had to deal with when she was younger uh so she gets it you know um she'll have a glass of wine every now and then mm-hmm. like she'll we'll be watching tv on the couch and she'll pour a glass of wine and come then sit next to me now if it's a really dank ass stinky glass of wine i'm gonna be like hey look I am about to push you down and pounce in that glass of wine. Yeah. Uh, You know, as a joke, but she'll be like, oh, sorry. And she'll move down a couple seats, you know? Yeah, Yeah, because it's it's still in there. It is. It is. What really gets me, and and, and it's not like I can go to, I can go do comedy in a bar. I don't think about drinking. Uh, I can go, I won't go see concerts anymore. That's still a trigger because I've never seen a concert sober. Right. Uh, Just listening to music now, it's not even the same type of music I listened to when I was drunk. Like it's more laid laid back, relaxed style. Isn't that funny how that changes? Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's probably that. And I'm just fucking old. Like I'm 42 now. My body, my insides are probably about 60 years old. Like, (laughs) right. I'm just trying to make it from day to day. Like, you know, like I had cancer, like, uh, a year and a half ago and oh, wow. it wasn't a serious cancer it was like a mold it spread a little bit not too much just enough so i didn't need chemo but that was like an eye opener yeah. like it was like holy shit i know that spot on my arm i've looked at it for 15 fucking years but mm-hmm. i was too drunk to pay attention to it and then i never thought of it again like yeah. you know like it was just one of those things it was an eye opener like billy come on man here comes all that stuff you put in your system for close to 20 years on a daily mm-hmm. basis. There's going to be something, a repercussion from that. Like the human body just doesn't accept it and then move on. Yeah. Like you do damage to it. And that's kind of my main focus right now. Like I can't say I'm eating healthy. 
because I just had uh, uh, three fourths of a, a Jersey Mike's Jumbo Giant sub for lunch. So I can't yes. say that I'm eating great, uh, but I'm paying attention more to my body. Like, I think my only yeah. vice are these little vape cigarettes. Yeah. Things which was a stupid idea because when my daughter was born, we both quit smoking. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'll just hit this. So, you know, I can ease myself off. And now it's like, fuck, these are costing me more in a month than cigarettes. Yeah. You know, and this is easy because I can carry it around with me everywhere. <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Well, we pick up different stuff to kind of cope. And um, it, it just happens. I mean, I've gone through. I mean, retail therapy, lottery tickets. I mean, it could be anything, you know, and, um, you mm. know, now I drink a lot of water, but if sugar's around, I definitely will it, right to the face. Oh, don't give me access to a, a supply of energy drinks. That's I'll do Bad it. News. Yeah, man. Like I can't energy drinks are my thing. Like that's my that's my go go juice now. And it's so bad. Yeah, for you. I went through that so too nasty. when I first got clean. Yeah, meetings and Red Bull. Boom, let's do it. <laughs> yep, meetings, Red Bull, and uh, uh, cigarettes. And yep, I was uh, a Camel Light guy. I mean, and oh, that's, man. I mean, it's just like, but and it, what's funny is most of the time when I smell a cigarette, I'm like, it's nasty. But there's that fifth time where I'm like, damn, it still smells good, and mm -hmm. I hate it. You know, and I've quit for 13 years, no cigarettes. Oh wow. See, so, I still smoke every now and then. Like if yeah. I'm if I'm working at the comedy club, either in the sound booth yeah. or hosting yeah. or featuring, yeah. I'm gonna have a cigarette or two. Right. You know, yeah. like it it's stupid and it's a dumb reason to say it calms my nerves. That's a easy way of trying to yeah. gain acceptance for doing it, but I like it. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just what it is. Like no, I'm not I gonna smell like it. I'm not, but I'm, I'll I'll have one, you know, I'll have two. It's a bad night, maybe five. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. But the point is, is, I'm not drinking like that's, that's the There thing. it is. That's that's that was the destructive force in your life. And, you know, drinking and drugs was mine. And, yeah, um, you know, I still when I'm emotional or nervous or whatever, it, it's just a hand to mouth thing. And it doesn't really matter what it is. Usually it's it's food nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. So I get it. I get it. Oh, man. You give me like microwave popcorn with that oh. white cheddar powder that you can put on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That right there. I'll roll around naked in that shit. That is <laughs> right. That is some good stuff. Yeah. It's uh, but it. I think to go back to where before I led you off on a uh, uh, golden brick road of nonsense. Uh, I think. And it's always been so. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you if this sounds dickish. Um, when it comes to my sobriety, mm -hmm. I protect it at all costs. I don't care whether somebody relapsed. I don't care if somebody says something out there about oh i heard billy's off the wagon i don't care i don't care what anybody outside my house thinks the main thing to me and especially now that you know my body is 
you know, whether it was 15 seconds worth of helping creating a child or because that's about what it was like uh, <laughs> one quick little two pumps yeah. and a wiggle. And I got a kid. Uh, I don't care about anything except me staying sober so my daughter never ever has to say the sentence my father was a drunk right well i don't think that that's um dickish or anything what i hear is someone setting a healthy boundary and it's not negotiable yeah and that's what it is well the reason i asked that is i said i said that same exact thing at the noon meeting on monday Mm -hmm. what i didn't realize because my head's too far up my ass sometimes is it was a newcomers meeting ah and i had to elaborate to a few people after like i have my friends in the program i have my friends that if they're having a bad day they can give me a call i don't care if a complete stranger gets my number from one of those friends and gives me a call i will talk to them i will be there for them um but I'm not going to sacrifice the quality time with my family that I've worked hard to earn. I'm not mm-hmm. going to sacrifice um, my, my artistic expression because mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but I do want to help. So that's, I think that's where I thought it was like more dickish where I was asking. Cause a lot of people looked at me weird when I said that. And I say things very bluntly. I don't sugarcoat yeah. anything. But I think um, that's where I think a lot of people make the mistake of a healthy foundation for sobriety is they misread the meaning of a network. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you, when you're in early recovery and you have like, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, up to six months, up to a year. Shit. Mm -hmm. Those people are crucial. Those meetings are crucial, but you should also always have your boundaries. Mm -hmm. There's exceptions to that. If you leave treatment and go live in sober living, those people are your family. So everything I said doesn't apply. Um, But if you're, like me and again kind of a minority of you know i didn't i was very very lucky in the way that my company made sure my benefits were in line Mm -hmm. so i could go to rehab and i didn't miss a paycheck Mm. uh my insurance took care of everything but three hundred dollars wow that's awesome which i didn't know while i was in there or i'm glad i didn't know because i might have fucked off a little bit more yeah. You know, um, and then my parents, like they took my dog, they'd come back, you know, once a week on Sundays, they'd say hi to me. They'd clean up my apartment and then they go back. My dad made sure that he paid all my bills with my credit card. Um, yeah. You know, it's like things like that. It's that's where sometimes I feel like I don't have a leg to stand on. When it comes to saying that, that. I had it tough in sobriety. Like, did I have my, did I have my withdrawals? Yes. Did I have my dry drunk moments? 
Yes. Did I, you know, spend those many nights crying that I was never going to be able to do this? Absolutely. More than not, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, did I push people away that were legitimately trying to help, but just didn't know how, or the people that were legitimately me trying to help that didn't know how? Absolutely. I went through the same things emotionally that, you know, we all go through, but I think I look at it a little bit different because I didn't have that, that suffering of, you know, where unfortunately some people do have, you know, having to yeah. find homes, having to find having to make men's with family, having to do all the things, you know, that really slow down the process of understanding and being able to get out of your own way. And in some routes, the people that did have to go that it's easier for them to get out of their own way because they've had so much, so many hurdles and so many roadblocks that them being in their way is not an option. Mm -hmm. And they understand that from very early on. Um, but it's like, it's always weird for me because I've never been able to identify with a lot that I've heard. Does that make sense? It does. And what I would say to that is that, um, it was bad enough for me and I was similar to what, you know, my parents were together for a long time. They paid for me to go to college, had a really good life. But it was bad enough for me to get there. And when I got to recovery, it was pointed out to me. You can look at it that way because we're looking at differences. But someone pointed out to me, they said, listen for the similarities, like the obsession, the Mm self-loathing and things like that. So I try to stay focused on that. So I'm not so comparing like, oh, you, you did that under a bridge for a hit. Well, no, I didn't do that. But it was bad enough to where... In the end, I mean, I remember waking up and p- pouring out a beer bottle that had cigarettes in it and sifting out the cigarette just to get the alcohol. Right. So it, it got to an animalistic level of existence. So I try not to, you know, tit for tat. I just know that the suffering that you went through and I went through was enough to get to this conversation. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm glad you look at it like that. I'm always, I'm always, paranoid that you know there was one time that the the treatment center who i still if they ever ask me to do anything comedy wise going Mm -hmm. there and talking wise i mean as long as i can do it i'm there and most of the time i'll drop something if it's not that important go do it yeah you know but i'm always i'm always very very careful about my words on it because i that's kind of at the beginning of this conversation. I said, I don't like to focus on the past. I like to focus on how I stay sober Yeah. now because I don't want the fact that I don't have the ability to sugar goat things or play a card that is less than anything than 100% honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't want someone to get lost. So Here's the thing with me. And it's kind of like this. You'll understand this. So let's just say it's two comics, me, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working for 10 and a half years. This other guy or lady, women yeah. are funny too, people. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and let's just say they're into it a year and they start headlining a club. Mm-hmm. You know, Um. 
I would immediately not give a shit how they got there because they didn't have to struggle like me. Mm-hmm. And I would listening to nothing else they said ever through the rest of that conversation because my ego and my disease and addiction, uh, you know, spoken in a comedy metaphor would, would stop that. Like mm-hmm. my jealousy that that person didn't have it as hard as me. It's petty, but it's it's the way the addictive mind works mm-hmm. for a lot of cases. Now, I can admit that that I'm that petty sometimes, especially when it comes to comedy stage time, things like that. But that's kind of why I focus about, you know, what I've done for it, because I'm not that religious. Yeah. So I'm not going to give everything to God. Uh, I'm not. Uh, before I had my family, I would go to a meeting every other week. I'd mm-hmm. force myself to. Um, and then when I met them and realized I was going to be a dad, everything shifted towards that. So I I'm forgot sure, about yeah. recovery. I didn't forget that I was an addict, but I forgot about the journey that I was trying to push myself through to become a better person because I feel that I had a new responsibility and I didn't have the space in my uh, mental, my, my compartment to be able to accept things. I didn't have the space for both focusing on being a healthy and happy father and partner compared to dwelling on, am I going to drink today? Yeah. And it was a, it was a subconscious choice. It wasn't like I made a decision. I just didn't think about it. Yeah. Cause I was all new, about new focus and purpose too. Yeah. And that, that, that's where I think, I mean, I'm blessed to have those things, but I also think I was kind of lucky in that aspect. And I was thinking about that. I was actually telling my partner and my girlfriend about that uh, Monday night. I was just like, you know, I don't know where I would be if none of this happened. Like, yeah. would, would I have, you know, stayed clean, clean? Would have I gone California sober? Would, <laughs> right. would I have fallen off the wagon altogether? I don't know, but I can't really think about that because it'll take focus off of the now and how grateful I am for everything that I don't feel that I have that I don't feel I completely deserve, but somebody out there, some sort of energy or spirit felt like I needed this. Yeah. So like, you know, I think whatever it was for that. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like you do what you need to do and you're focused on being all those things for all the right reasons. And so it keeps your focus there versus even considering going back to this old miserable life that we thought, you know, was Mm -hmm. something. So with that, we're just about out of time. I wanted to get your uh, recovery nuggets that you, you know, you'd like to share with someone that's out there, maybe listening that maybe they're not even sober yet. Maybe they just are curious and, you know, really need the help. What would you like to share today? Um, You know, you're worth it. You're mm. worth it. You're it, what, what some people I think forget is is alcohol and drugs. They cover up your feeling of self-worth. Mm. A lot of times might have low self-esteem and you're using that to even hide that using drugs and alcohol to hide the low self-esteem to feel better. But fuck, man, let's face it. They're depressants. They're not going to make you happy. 
You know, you've got that first little hour when you first start feeling the buzzes of alcohol before the depression hits. It's every time. It's not going to change. It's insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over with no different outcome. Um, for anybody that it is drinking or using that knows that has that gut feeling and is battling that, that those voices, those demons saying, if you're saying, oh, I might have a problem, but those demons are saying, nah, 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 you're good. That right there, take a second, stop everything, get in the quiet and analyze that. It is even worth giving the try to not drink. Give yourself a week, give yourself two weeks, you know, like just, just stop, figure it out. You know, try to try to think where it's coming from and realize that, you know, you're you're here, you're here in this world. You have these thoughts in your head. You're here for a purpose, no matter what you may think. And believe in yourself to have the power to figure it out. Um, the people that are new in recovery. Uh, you know, don't forget, be grateful that you had the strength to do what I just told the other group of people be grateful for that. Um, don't give up. There's nothing, 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 nothing that going back and having a drink or using will bring back to a happiness wise. There's nothing. It's just going to go right back. Play that tape to the last time you use your drink. That's where you're going to be very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, to, you know, I said a lot of things about uh, I don't go to meetings, things like that. That doesn't believe I don't believe in it. I do. It works. If I hadn't have been so active in my early recovery, I don't think I would be as strong as I am right now. Mm. Um, you know, take everything just like you just said. Uh, take everything to where listen to what everybody says, whether you agreed with it or not. Try to find the parts that you identify with that can help you on that. Um, Having a network, even though I didn't do it, it doesn't mean it's not right. It is. You need to have that in early recovery. You can't do it on your own, no matter how, you know, my, my network might not be in recovery. It's my family, but they get it and they have the skills to be able to help me. Um, not every family does. So going back to those people that are, are in the program, having a sponsor, listening to what they say and for everybody get the fuck out of your own way get out of your own way uh this disease says some nasty shit in the mind it convinces you of some things that you would never ever tell yourself if it was you talking so you got to listen to your heart and you've got to get out of your own way and let things happen by going through whether it's the steps or listening at the meetings or having the humbleness and giving yourself the credit to acknowledge that you are not perfect and it's okay to ask for help. It is so okay to ask for help. It's probably the strongest thing you can ever do as a human being is to say, I need help. It's actually a bitch move to say, I got this. Mm there i hope that's okay that's awesome man this has been great i'm glad that uh you came on and i got to know you a lot better and uh 
you know, there's that connection when you, when you talk somebody with recovery, who's been through the, uh, the depths and the darknesses, cause it gets dark and, um, mm-hmm. has come out and seen the benefits. So I really appreciate your time, Billy. Thank you, man. I actually, yeah. I needed this too. Thank you for yeah, having you me got on. Any, yeah. Yeah. You got any shows coming up? Uh, here in Wilmington, April 23rd at the Crooked Lotus. Okay. Um, uh, every Thursday night on Twitch, uh, from 7 p.m. to whenever my eyeballs fall out of my face holes. <laughs> right. Uh, that's at twitch.tv forward slash Billy Rame. Uh, Facebook's Billy Rame. Twitter's okay. Billy Rame. Instagram's Billy Rame. Uh, it's all that. Come say hi. And if you do have any questions or want to debate on what I said here, feel free to reach out. I'm not a good debater, but I'll definitely listen to your <laughs> side of the story and acknowledge that everybody thinks differently. And if you need any help, uh, don't know how to find it, feel free to reach out to me as well. And I can do everything I can to help you out there. Appreciate it, man. Well, I'll put all this in the uh, show notes and uh, I really appreciate it, brother. Hey, thank you, man. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, bud. Thanks again for listening to Recovery Nuggets podcast. I want to thank our guests this week. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Instagram at Recovery Nuggets podcast. And the email is recoverynuggetspodcast at gmail.com. Also like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple and be great if you leave a five-star review that really helps out the podcast and uh, really want to thank you for showing up for your recovery today. Disclaimer, Recovery Nuggets podcast and guests are not representatives of any 12-step program. I am not a doctor, counselor, or therapist. I share my experiences, strength, and hope. Guests of the show share their personal experiences and opinions. Take what you like and leave the rest. Each person's journey in recovery is unique. Thank you for listening to Recovery Nuggets podcast.